Oh, of all of our fake stuff, I think that was the funniest. It is fun to pretend sometimes, but it's even better to be yourself. And so this series that we're doing is called Let's Stop Pretending, and it's coming out of Romans 12, 9, which says, says, stop pretending to love each other and really love others. And we talked about how love isn't just a feeling, it's a choice to put someone's needs above your own and how we need to do that. And then, and then our feelings often follow. But, um, you know, America has, uh, actually, there, there's a statistic about marriages in America. A lot of you are familiar with it. It says that 50% of marriages end in death, right? And that's the best case scenario, really. Um, obviously, Valentine's Day is over. But yeah, so America is not good. Americans are not good at relationships, honestly. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, love songs have been popular for since the dawn of time, you know, since humanity um, first came out. Uh, but increasingly over the last several decades, there's been a rival to the most popular songs in America. And it's not love songs, it's breakup songs. And so I had to do some research on breakup songs because I, I don't really listen to much music. Um, yeah, we should ask for, like, what's your favorite breakup song? Shout it out. Love Yourself, anything by, by, yeah, Taylor Swift. All Too Well by Taylor Swift is one. You know, Taylor Swift is one of those people that her record label people, they're like, please break up, please break up. We know there's going to be another bestseller in there and make a lot of money. Anyway, but Fleetwood Mac, Go Your Own Way. I don't know if you know this. Uh, uh, let me see, Jordan Sparks, Why Does Love Always Feel Like a What? Battlefield. Like a Battlefield. Anyway, does your marriage feel more like a garden or a battlefield? So we're going to talk a little bit about marriage today, but if you are among the almost half of the people here that aren't married, it's okay. Okay, don't check out, don't go to sleep. The, the principles for having a good marriage relationship are also principles to have a, having good relationships in other ways as well, whether it's with a sibling, a child, uh, with a coworker, or a neighbor or friend. And so as we talk about this, I'll try to apply it to those of you who aren't married, but, but it does. You can do that on your own. And, and the question is, yeah, what is your marriage like? Is it a garden or is it a battlefield? Is it an adventure or is it a prison? And we live in a culture that really is not good at relationships. Our culture is designed, I think, for failed relationships. Just the way they are started, the expectations that are in them, the distractions and options that are outside of them. Uh, and, and America is not a Christian nation. Do we, do we all realize that? It's not a Christian nation. It, it, it is a nation that is secular and is increasingly following other paths that, that God does not desire for us. And, and, you know, this is really true. The actions you're doing are perfectly designed to get the results you're achieving, okay? And that's true in, in sports. That's true in your workplace. That's true in relationships. The only exception is sometimes if you change, results are not immediate, Okay, so you may have to be patient and then see things change down the road. If, if you've, but if you're doing the same thing you've always done, you're going to get the same thing you've always gotten. And this is not only true of us as individuals, but it's also true of the wider culture. Our culture in America 
is getting exactly 50% divorce rate, first marriages, 66 to 75% divorce rate of second marriages. It is getting the, exactly the, the thing that it's designed to achieve. And so if you want to have a healthy marriage, if you want to not be isolated and have good friendships and relationships, you need to throw out what you think you know and what our culture teaches you and go old school and, and back to the Bible. And one of the verses we're going to look at here is going to talk about this. Little things make a big difference over time. Right? If you sow or you plant a thought, you reap uh, or you harvest an action. If you sow an action, you harvest a habit. If you sow a habit, you harvest a character. If you sow a character, you harvest a destiny. Destiny is a big thing. Thoughts seem very little. Habits seem very, you know, little actions every day that nobody sees seem very small and insignificant. But that's what our life is built on. And that's what's so important. No marriage, like, just completely falls apart in one day. It's often little things at a time. No friendship, no, no, no sibling, you know, family relationship just, just falls apart all at once. It's little decisions one after another. And, and so this is what Song of Songs says. Some, some of you, your Bibles call it Song of Solomon because he's the guy who wrote it. Uh, in, the, in the library that we call the Bible, there are 66 books and there's only one book that's romantic poetry. And that's the Song of Solomon. Ancient... Uh, uh, Hebrew scholars and rabbis of the Jewish faith, they actually, um, back 2,000 years ago, they did not allow men to read this book till they were 35 because it would inflame their passion so much. Now all the teenage boys are like, I'm reading the Song of Solomon. <laughs> You're not going to get it, yeah. It won't make sense. But um, here's what it says in Solomon 2.15, and then we're going to back up to the beginning of chapter 2, and I'm just going to walk through some of the, what this couple, and it's basically, most of the book is a duet, and it's the, the man talking about his, his, his fiancé, his girl, the girl talking about her, you know, fiancé, the guy, and, and, and we're going to see and how they communicate and what they do that makes a healthy marriage. Now, they're not married at this point, but a healthy even dating relationship. And then that, of course, applies even outside of that as well. Um, but the first thing is it says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. So this was written almost 3,000 years ago. The word fox literally means burrowing creature. So we think it's a fox. It could also be a jackal, but it can also be representative of any creature, smaller creature that burrows in the ground, like a rabbit or rats or mice. And these are not good for grapevines. They're not good in agriculture. And uh, if a fox burrows under, now they're not a huge problem. It's not like you got elephants in your grapevine. You know, it's not like you got a bear tearing it all up and eating all the grapes, right? That, that would be a big problem. And, and th this is just saying there are often little problems that if you don't deal with them, will do huge harm and damage in your relationships. And so we're, we're going to look at that. And I think one of the things this is saying is we need to solve today's problems today. Don't let these foxes go. So it's springtime and you got some foxes. Well, it's all right. No, no. Like you need to deal with them right away. And so we need to do that in our relationships as well. Not let the foxes grow up and have litters and, and multiply and, and just wreck things, but to deal with today's problems today. And... Um, <laughs> 
that, that, that's, um, that means dealing with conflict. So last Sunday, Tim Sullivan, our, our pastor over at Conklin, he was here and he was talking about how, how to respond to, to difficult people. How do we respond to conflict? And there's typically three bad responses to conflict. The one is blow up, right? And you just get mad and it just, you know. And so in order to not do that, we often take two other bad approaches to conflict. One is to stuff it. And if you stuff conflict internally, you will literally kill yourself. High blood pressure, ulcers, like it it is not good for you. And the truth is you stuff it for long enough and you're going to eventually blow maybe worse than you ever would have if you didn't. And so that's not a good approach. Another approach, and this is my favorite one, it's the wrong way, but it's the way I like to do, which is avoid it, right? You, You just avoid conflict and you pretend it's not there and we need to stop pretending that there's no foxes in the vineyards because they're not going to take care of themselves and we need to deal with today's problems today. And, and that means learning how to, to confront and have healthy disagreements. In fact, there, there's a book that I go through with most uh, couples for pre-marriage counseling and one of the chapters in that book, it's called how to, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. One of the chapters says, how to fight the good fight. How to fight a good fight. Because if you get married, if you have a relationship with anyone, at some point you're going to disagree with them and you've got to learn how to disagree in an agreeable, healthy way. Uh, otherwise, you're going to fight the bad fight and that's, that's not going to be pretty. Um, the, the only exception I would say with not solving today's problems today is if someone's really emotionally hot, it's good to wait. Answer a fool while he's in his folly and you will be like him, all right? So, so we need to, you know, later on, and uh, actually in a different book that Solomon wrote, Ecclesiastes, he says there's a time for everything, a time to speak and a time to be quiet. I was recently in a situation, it wasn't with anyone in our church, okay, so don't look around. Okay, it wasn't our pastors, so all our pastors are good, all right? But I was with a situation, in a situation, and the guy I was with, he got mad, he was super angry. And, and I thought, now is not a good time to confront that anger, right? Because then he'll just attack me, right? But, but later on, I gave him a call and I said, hey, can, can we get together sometime and talk? You know, because, because so, so if you're married and it's 1130 at night and your spouse has to get up at 5 a.m., maybe this isn't the best time to settle it. Okay, because you're cranky and you're tired and, and you know, and, and it's, but, but here's the thing, don't like, okay, this is not a good time and then you forget about it for, or, or you don't deal with it for a month or for a week and sometimes what's best to do is to have a, um, a, a, a time, say, you know what, I don't think this is a good time to deal with this right now, but let's, let's talk about it tomorrow after we put the kids to bed or, or let's, let's uh, have lunch sometime or if it's a friend of yours and you, you know, they're really, or even if it's at work and your boss is mad, probably not the best time to say, you know, boss, that's not what Jesus would do. Okay, here's another thing too. If you're talking to people who don't follow Jesus, don't tell them to f- follow Jesus, right? Like, so if your boss is flipping out and he's not a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't say, you know, that's not very Christian. Here's another thing, too. I never, I, I don't think I ever, there might be exceptions, but I don't think I ever 
tell people who are not Christians to stop swearing? Why should they? You know, I've heard it before. In fact, it's funny sometimes I'm with someone and they're like cussing up a storm. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, praise God. Come on. Just be yourself. I know who you are. Like, keep using the F word. I, you know, that's who you are. I'm not, that's not your, why, why do I not confront them? Because that's not their problem. Their problem isn't that they're swearing. Their problem is that they're not following Jesus. I care less about their swearing. I care a lot about following Jesus. So don't, so if, if you have someone that you love or that maybe someone you work with and they're like going off and being angry, don't bring up Jesus, but, but talk to them to say, you know what? That wasn't a good look for you. Like, do, do you know, do you know what, what you look like? And yes, I know, stupid people, I understand. They were stupid. But, but you need to deal with that differently. And actually, maybe ask some questions. Is there something else going on in your life? You know, because that wasn't you. That wasn't the, that wasn't the, the George I, I, I normally see. Like, what's going on, George? What, what, what's eating at you? And, um, and confronting, not, not just avoiding it and pretending it's not there. We need to solve today's problems today. Another thing, and I never would have brought this up, but it's in the passage as we go to Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 1. Low self-esteem. Here, here's what she says. So most of this, you know, she's talking about him, and then he's talking about her, and then there's these random people making comments about their relationship. That's kind of weird, but um, here's an exception. She's talking about herself. And this is interesting. I am the spring crocus blooming on the Sharon Plain, the lily of the valley. I tried to look up what particular flower is this mentioning. Some of you have different translations. It might not say spring crocus. It might say something else. Truth is, we don't know. Uh, This is one of the guesses, the anemone, wild anemone. This is another one, a daffodil. She's basically saying, I'm a daffodil. She she does not have low self-esteem. We have confused humility with low self-esteem. They are not related. We've also confused pride with good self-esteem, right? If I were to say, you know, I'm, I'm a good talker, that is not pride. That's accurate. If I am to say, I'm a terrible plumber and carpenter, that's not low self-esteem. That's true, <laughs> right? And my wife knows it's true, right? And everybody, like, so, so we need to realize, what is humility? Humility is putting someone as higher and more important than you are, you know, and, and, and thinking of others. In fact, some of the most depressed, self-centered, proud people have low self-esteem because they're always thinking about themselves. Oh, I'm so stupid. I'm ugly. I can't do anything right. You know, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm a, man, if I thought about me all the time, I'd be depressed too. <laughs> but, but here she has, and, and this is where if you, you know, pride, humility is thinking others are better than you. If you think you're garbage and you think I'm slightly better than garbage, that's not a real compliment, is it? But if you think man, I am the spring crocus, I'm a daffodil, I'm beautiful, I have value. And then you say, this person is even more valuable, then then that's something. In fact, Psalm 139 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, God. I know that right well. Marvelous are thy works. So 
This is what I want you to do. If you're watching in Hancock or online, if, if, nobody, if you're watching online and nobody's in the room with you, you just got to say it out loud. But everybody here or in Hancock, I want you to turn to the person next to you, okay, even if you don't know them. Here's what I want you to say. I am marvelous. Wait, before you do that, let me explain. This is not, this is not, some of you jumped the gun. Yeah, you'll have to do it again, all right? This is not this, you know, self-care and self, you know, all that garbage. This is recognizing if you're human, you are made in the image of God, the almighty creator of the universe, you know, who is love and peace and and all-knowing, and all you are a reflection. You're a shadow of His image, and that's why you're marvelous. Not because you did something, not because, you know, you have high cheekbones or whatever, a nice distinguished nose like me, you know. It's, 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 it's because of who God is. That's where we draw our identity and our self-worth. If you draw your self-worth from what other people think of you, you will be depressed. You will be bipolar, you know. Oh, she loves me. She loves me not. She loves, you know, and, and so, but if you stick your worth on God and who he is and, and understanding I'm not God and boy, he is so much greater than me, but, but boy, I'm so much more important than, than a dog or a cat or, or a waterfall or a star even. All right, so turn to the person next to you. I am marvelous. Say it with conviction. A lot of eye rolling going on. All right. Okay, well, let's move on. The little things that can harm a relationship. The fox is not solving today's problems today. Low self-esteem. Because, again, low self-esteem is usually self-focused. And so that's the interesting thing about the Song of Songs is it's almost none of it is self-focused. Um, negative comparison. If, if low self-esteem is a little fox, negative comparison is like the elephant. Okay, if you really want to make your workplace more difficult and miserable, start comparing other people you work with with, with other people. Start comparing your boss to the boss that was previously there in a bad light. Or compare your employees. How come you can't do like so-and-so? Okay, now they hate so-and-so and you. Great. <laughs> or, man, this is really deadly with parents and children. How come you can't get grades like your sister? How come you're not so athletic like your brother? How come you're such, yeah, how come you can't be more like and that, that just is so destructive. If you've done that, you need to go and ask for forgiveness. I don't care if, if your kid's five years old. You need to ask for forgiveness and say, I will try to never compare you in a negative light to anyone because I love you and you are special. Yes, we're not all the same, but we're all special in some way. You want to kill your marriage. In fact, this is a sign of a bad marriage as you hear someone criticizing their spouse. And, and, and or, or lifting up. You want, you know, just tell your wife, you know, your lasagna is not quite as good as my mom's. <laughs> All right, if that's the case, just shut up. <laughs> Keep it to yourself, right? Negative comparison. And so here's the, the, the guy is speaking in the blue font, the girl's speaking in the pink font. I don't know if you can tell the difference, but anyway, like a lily among thistles is my darling among women, right? He's comparing her to other women in a good way. 
He's like, yeah, they're like thistles. You know, they're a little bumpy and prickly and eh, kind of homely. But man, you are the lily. You are the, the beautiful one. And you know what? Guys, we need to do this with our girls. Not just with our wife, with our daughters too. You know, the, the, the first time your daughter hears that she's beautiful shouldn't be out of the lips of a, of a boyfriend. All right, she needs to hear that from us. You are gorgeous, Right? And um, then she says, back at you, bud, right? <laughs> like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other young men. Now, this is like 3,000-year-old poetry, so it doesn't really relate to, we're like, that's kind of weird, you know. And you're just a beautiful apple tree, honey. <laughs> Thanks. You know, the best apple tree in the orchard. That's great. But, but this is praise, right? This is, she's, she's comparing him to other guys and saying, man, I wouldn't pick them at all. Man, I, I pick you every time. You're the best. Um, the little things that can hurt your relationship. So negative comparison and the, the antidote to that is just praise, right? Speaking highly of the other. And then the last thing is too busy for each other. Um, I sit in his delightful shade. And so we'll get to the too busy for each other. There's a little bit of something here before that. I sit in his delightful shade, spending time with him and taste his delicious fruit. Okay? This is what every man wants who's married, okay? A wife who wants him. Who says, when was the last time, if you're a wife here today, when was the last time you said to your husband, I can't wait to taste your delicious fruit? <laughs> Probably never. Not like that, all right? But, but you need to, and this needs to not be like, you know, the, the old cartoon thing of the man saying, you know, well, I told my wife I loved her 20 years ago, and if I change my mind, I'll let her know, right? <laughs> no wife wants a husband like that. She wants a husband who's going to be saying, I love you, I adore you, I think you're beautiful, right, and all that. And, and you know what? This is the same the other way around. You know, women, you need to, to let, and, and you say, but I don't want him. Okay, this goes back to Romans 12, 9. Don't just pretend to love, really love. Let your actions lead your emotions and your feelings. And, and just decide, I'm going to do what's best for him, even though I'm not feeling it right now. And, you know, this is also true the other way. There are men in this congregation, and, 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 for whatever reason, maybe it's age, maybe it's health, maybe it, whatever's going on, but you don't talk about her delicious fruit either to her. And shame on you. And that's not godliness. Guys, you need, to, you need to do the same and say, man, and you're like, oh, she's tired of hearing about it. Yeah, but she likes it a little bit. You need to tell her how delicious her fruit is. He escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. The banquet hall is a very public place, right? This is lots of people are around, and everyone knows he loves me. I, I just wanted one of the best examples in my entire life that I've ever seen of this is Don and Deb Kessler. And Deb's with the Lord now, but those two... They, he treated her like a princess. It is so obvious how much he loved her. And she'd be the same way. Oh, please, tell me about water. 
because he works at, you know, American, whatever the water systems in the area. And, you know, and she'd be like, oh, isn't my guy so big and strong and handsome? And I'm like, I guess, <laughs> you know, but it's, I was obvious to everyone. And do you make it obvious? And again, this goes back to that other, you know, positive comparisons. In fact, I, I had friends of mine that I went to college with that became pastors who then had affairs and ruined their marriages. And let me tell you, I have never once even had the hint of a woman coming on to me. And it's not because I'm ugly, all right? All right, that may be a slight factor, but no. You know why? It's because if ever anyone, especially when I was younger, if a, if a woman just started laughing too much at my jokes or if I felt a little bit of chemistry or something maybe going on, I'd just compliment my wife and say, you know, that reminds me, you know, like Becky is so good with our kids, you know, and she actually helps me engage with them and I'm just so thankful for her. You know, that reminds me of, you know, talking about money and stuff. She has managed our money so well in fact, there's no way I would have been in this position financially that I am now without her. She's just so awesome. And you know what? It's like a big sign. Happily married man, move along. Right? And you don't even get a temptation. Nobody even comes knocking. Why? Because it's obvious how much he loves me. It's obvious. Is it obvious to everyone how much you love your guy? If you're a woman here? This is important. And, and then spending time together, right? He's escorting me to the banquet hall. And then, this is like just so sappy. Strengthen me with raisin cakes. <laughs> Refresh me with apples for I'm weak with love. You know, I just so love being with him, right? Do you, some of you remember what that feels like? You know what? It, it changes as you get married and you're married for longer periods. You know, I've been married 29 years. You know, Yeah. But there's, and I'm not like, oh, give me raisin cakes. Like, but there's still that spark there, you know, but you got to spend time to get there. And uh, for I'm weak with love, his left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. The importance of physical touch that's not necessarily sexual, okay, but that's just being with each other. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. She's saying, it is so powerful, you need to be ready for it. This is where I think long engagements, uh, sometimes there's good reasons for that, and so this is not a rule in the Bible at all or anything, but long engagements are, are very difficult to live in a godly way um, because that passion and that fire, um, when you waken that thing up, man, it, it, it needs to be time, Okay? And so, till the time is right. Uh, and th this is why, this is again not in the Bible. Don't encourage your kids to date when they're like 12. What is that? Even 13 or 14? You know, are you ready for, I, you know, just, just put it off. Um, not forever. But, um, okay, so, ah, I hear my lover coming. He's leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. And, and so, you know, again, he wants to be with me, and he, he makes an effort to spend time with me. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. He's not stopping at the bar on the way home from work. No, he, he wants to get home. 
He wants to spend time with me. We need to be intentional in doing this. And this is true not only of married people. This is true of singles. If you are single, you need to spend as much time or almost as much time with friends as you would have with a married partner or your kids. And we as married people need to understand that single people need to do this. Okay? Like, oh, you're single. You can work Christmas. No, single people have family. <laughs> you know, and, and they have friends, and they want to be with them, and that's healthy. Again, our culture and society is very isolationist. Be on your own and be online and be, no, initiate. And you might say, yeah, I wish my friends would invite me over. I wish my friends would do fun things with me. You need to initiate. In fact, in this whole thing, husbands and wives both need to initiate spending time with each other. But, but this passage, it's talking about how the guy, the guy is coming. The guy is initiating. The guy is, is wanting to spend time. He's making that his priority. And uh, so, and this may be because husbands, we tend to be a little bit lazier when it comes to this, a little bit more passive. Like, man, I chased her when we were dating. Now it's her turn. No, that's not how it goes, right? And so, you know, we need to, to initiate and spend time with others. You know, look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling, come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past and the rains are over and gone and the flowers are springing up and the season of singing birds has come and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air throughout most of the ancient times and even today, spring is thought of as a very romantic time. In fact, as I drove in and parked today, I saw a bluebird. Anybody else see a bluebird out there? That thing's going to starve, but <laughs> it's a little early, <laughs> but uh, it's confused. But springtime is, is a you know, romantic time, and he's like, I want to I spend spring with you. It's so romantic. The fig trees are forming young fruit, and the fragrant, grape, fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. And then, so, so this is his response. So she's like, he's coming for me. He wants to spend time with me. He initiates, you know, getting together and he leaps over mountains and, you know, is like a deer. He tries to get to me so much. And then, and then here's his response. My dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop in the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice for your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. Again, he's saying not, yeah, I'm going to wait for her to pursue me. No, but he, he's not saying that. He's saying, yes, I do want to be with her. I am going to pursue her. So here's some questions in your relationship, just as we close here, um, to talk about what's your idea of quality time? If you're married, ask this question of your spouse. Now, if you're single, don't ask your friend or your, you know, neighbor What's your idea of quality time? They look at you really weird. Um, but this is a better question. What's something memorable we can do? Right? You got some guys and you're a single guy and you're like, hey, let's like do something. Like let's, let's create some memories. Let's like, let's like hopefully not illegal, you know? Like, but let's like do something together that'll be fun, you know? And, and um, initiate that. What's something memorable we can do? Spend time with each other not just near each other. Again, our culture is so full of distractions and, and, and things that, that take us away. And you can be sitting on the couch together and not be together. 
And, and let's not do that. Let's, let's, or, and, and like even as a family with kids, we, we do things. Occasionally we will watch a movie, you know, for dinner, but usually dinner is no devices. You sit at the table and you talk. You know, <laughs> you know. so how was school today? Good. You know, tell me a story. Tell me something that happened. Tell me something you did. Talk, you know, let, let's, let's have a conversation together. Um, and, and, and not just be near each other, but with each other. Um, relationships are so important. They're what will make your life an adventure and a garden, or it'll make it a prison and a battlefield. Um, let's, you don't even have to follow Jesus to follow these, but the most important relationship that we can have is with Jesus Christ. And it's with, with God our Father. And, and that means spending time with Him. Right? And that means uh, positive, right? To praise. We sing here. Why do we do that? And so much of the songs are praise to God. Is it because He needs to know how great He is? No. It's because we need to be reminded of how great He is and how fortunate we are to have a God like we have who would die on the cross for us, who would give His own life. What, what an amazing, loving God we have. So much more to be praised. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it's like a compass pointing us in the right direction so we don't get lost. And God, I just pray for the marriages that are here that are lost right now, that are hurting and, and struggling. And God, even as we talk about abuse next week, that's like a whole different Lord, if there's abuse going on, these, these, these principles here are not necessarily going to be helpful. Um, so God, I ask that you'd give wisdom to each and every situation that we would just tr strive to be like Jesus until we can be with Jesus. In whose name?